Hello, and welcome to episode 14, all about chapters 5 and 6, book 2 of Fellowship of the Ring, being the 14th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I am joined once again by Amy Coyle. Welcome back, Amy. What's up, my homies? <laughs> so, listeners, Amy was on for, I think, like chapter four, maybe, of book one. And looking um, for mushrooms. Yeah, looking for mushrooms, which in hindsight, I should have paired with chapter three, but it's fine whatever live and learn and almost like immediately after we finished recording she sent me a message saying like i know it's a little far off but um can i please come on for chapter six book two because i have lots of thoughts and then when i was planning for chapter five i was like this is really short so i'm gonna pair it with chapter six actually i tweeted a poll about it on the that's what i'm talking about twitter and i'm pretty sure asking like if i should do chapter five alone or chapter five and six together and i never looked at the results of that so let's see if this is what the <laughs> listeners wanted but anyway i was like well if i'm gonna pair it's too late now <laughs> it's too late now if i'm gonna pair chapters five and six together i've gotta have amy on since she specially requested chapter six so looks like 64 percent voted do chapter five alone so <laughs> lamo sorry <laughs> I'm so glad that I did listener polls and then I ignored them. (laughs) Anyway. Just so you know, that's my entire job is just asking children what they want and what they care about and then ignoring it because they can't handle that. I teach sixth grade at inner city middle school. So my my vocabulary sounds weird. It's because I'm tired. I'm dead inside. And (laughs) I've been spending all my time with 10 through 12 year olds. Teachers are the true heroes of this society you have to transfer your brain to their brains so therefore it's only natural that your your vocabulary would decrease as as theirs theoretically increases so it all works out in the end theoretically yeah theoretically yeah Yeah. hypothetically that's what's going to happen (laughs) so before we get started i have to share like the dumbest shire i've ever done in my life which was So this is episode 14, technically 15 if you count the intro episode. And I just realized that I've been recording with my microphone facing the wrong way this entire time. So... Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Theoretically. It's okay, because... Audio quality should be better this time. And I need to clarify something, which is that Mary Clay will not let me take credit for this. However, the last time I came on, she apologized for the microphone quality. What she needed to have said was, what was far too kind to say was, Amy doesn't know how to keep a microphone near her mouth when she's recording. But, you know, because she's our great MC and she would never call me out and just roast me like that, she tried to take all the blame. I'm here to give my own apology and say I'm sorry that I don't think about how microphones work. Well, no, I legitimate i was like uh that's my fault as like someone who is hosting guests on a podcast every single week i need 
need to be better about like giving my guests proper instructions about if they don't already do a podcast of some kind about how to like best record or set up the scenario. And and I did not do it's you know, it's a learning process. Here we are episode 14. I just now have turned my microphone in the correct direction. It, you know, live and let learn. Fun fact, we have, between the two of us, three degrees. <laughs> We're learning. Amy has the most degrees, guys. It's okay. I don't rub that in anyone's face ever at all in order to win really stupid arguments. I say in complete sarcasm. <laughs> also, apologies if I cough a lot or wheeze a lot because I finally made the connection that the reason my asthma is worse is because I moved to a new environment and there's water damage. So I'll just be slowly dying in here. And I I don't want to take away from that because I also have asthma. But if I sound dead inside, it's because our principal has not come to the school in two days. We don't know where he is. And I watched a kid's foot get run over by a bus yesterday. Ooh, that's a big yike. <laughs> so... Mary Clay's dying physically. I'm dying emotionally. And, and you know who's dying literally? <laughs> Wonderful yeah. transition. So, all right, I should preface this with, so on the previous episode, I shared that in the back of my mind when I accidentally read a spoiler, I just hear in the back of my head going, da-da-da, oops, ah, did it again <laughs> because I can't tell you how many times I like accidentally spoil myself on something and when I was trying to figure out how like how much happens in these chapters and whether or not I should pair them together I looked it up on spark notes just to like do a really quick like scroll up and down the page to see like how long it is because if it's a really long spark note summary for one chapter then okay I can assume a lot happens in that chapter and the summer for chapter six starts like right off with like the fellowship sad about Gandalf's death and I was like oh well there you go <laughs> Gandalf I know that Whoop, Gandalf there it is. <laughs> I know that Gandalf dies at some point in this book and I know that he comes back as I almost said Sauron but that would be a great book actually <laughs> if he came back as <laughs> Sauron very interesting <laughs> I know he comes back as Gandalf the White because that was another thing I spoiled myself on because there was some reaction meme relating to iCarly. What what does it even matter anymore? So <laughs> to be fair, it's very hard to avoid this particular spoiler because this is probably the most memed picture is from this scene in the movie. Yes. As um, you have, in fact, tweeted and mentioned, this is one of yes. the hardest things to avoid oh, a spoiler for. We will, yeah, we will jump into that right now with chapter, oh, actually, I lied. Actually, quick disclaimer, listeners, this episode might be a bit longer than usual because we are covering two chapters and a lot goes down. So if longer episodes aren't your jam, then what are you doing listening to podcasts? Get out of here. So chapter five. You can you can you can just start another poll, Mary Clay. If you like <laughs> and then ignore podcasts, it. And then ignore the poll entirely. I'll just keep doing that. I love that. Chapter five, the bridge of Kaza Kazad Doom. Kazad Doom. Is it Kaz Kazad? I feel like there needs to be a pause between Kazad Doom. Cause of dumb. That's what I am. But uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I did not listen to the audiobook for these two, either of these chapters, which I normally do to try and hear what the pronunciations are. Hence the great Gloin, Glowin debacle of two or three episodes ago. But so I don't know how any of these words in this chapter are pronounced. So with that being said, let's go. (laughs) So I joked at the end of the previous chapter that it felt like in Mulan when they're singing a girl worth fighting for and then they abruptly stop when they come upon the plundered remains of a village or wherever they are and they see all the bodies of the battle that had happened beforehand and it's just like mood killer am i right that's like almost pretty much exactly what happens here because the only thing we find out at the end of the previous chapter is at the end of the previous chapter we find balan's tomb and we find out that he is dead and that's all we know and then the next chapter like like within the first paragraph they talk about them looking around and seeing the like scattered skeletons and remains of obviously a great battle that had happened there and someone lost and then Gandalf finds an old journal, like so old, he picks it up and like brings it carefully to rest on top of Balin's tomb and like part of it's falling apart. But from what he can read, there was, and it's really sad. It's just the like. It's so sad. It's. There's nothing to me more bone chilling and just sad, but also terrifying than when somebody picks up a dead person's diary and starts reading and it leaves off right as you know they die. Like, to me, that is just one of the most terrifying plot devices ever. Yeah, it really is chilling. So they read, um, yeah, so they read this journal and find out that the dwarves were trying to take back Moria and were basically challenged by the orcs and the orcs trapped them inside and eventually they won because the dwarves all died and it's just so so i'll read it's also really creepy too because like they can't read every sentence or every word because it's so blurry and old and dirty and some of the words are hard to read and so it's kind of creepy because you're also having there's some stuff that's like left up to to the imagination of what happened between like the words that they can read and for the most part they are they can guess what happened but like it's just a lot of it's very sad (laughs) Not a good day for it Gimli. Is. No, it's not. And then you know Tolkien probably wrote out this entire piece by Ori and then just cut it out and be like, well, it wouldn't have survived Ooh, anyway. Truth, yeah. Well, and also I bet he wrote the entire journal and then- Oh, I believe it. Just so he could like later go in and be like, okay, erase this word, erase this word, erase this word, rather than starting off by writing every other word because he is just extra like that. Exactly what I was thinking. Got her on the same page. Yeah. So they're reading about this battle between the dwarves and the orcs. Yeah. So we find out that says day being the 10th of November, Balin, Lord of Moria, fell in Dimrel Dale. He went alone to look in mirror. That This is a hard mirror, 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 mirror. He went alone to look in mirror, mirror. An orc shot him from behind a stone. We slew the orc but many more up from east, up from the silver load. And then this is where it's like what I was talking about before, where like it's sad, where you can't read every word and only a couple words. And it says, we have barred the gates, can hold them long if, and then perhaps horrible and suffer is what 
Gandalf reads. We can infer that Balin died horribly and suffered a lot. So that's fun. Yay. And then this is where, this is the part that I was like, this is creepy. We cannot, and when I'm, uh, what I'm reading, so Gandalf is narrating this and every now and then he'll interject. What I'm reading is just what's written in the journal. We cannot get out. We cannot get out. They have taken the bridge and second hall. Frere and Loney and Nally fell there. And then it says, The pool is up to the wall at Westgate. The watcher in the water took oin. We cannot get out. The end comes. Drums, drums in the deep. And then it says, The last thing written is in a trailing scrawl of elf letters. They are coming. They are coming. <laughs> nope, that's Harry Potter. Just it's kidding. Terrifying. They it's are so coming. scary. God, just oh, this idea. And so they really truthfully dodged a bullet with the watcher in the lake. Also, actually, like I was already creeped out with that like sea monster already before it, I knew it was named the watcher, which is just extra creepy. I don't need that in my life. And so they really dodged a bullet there because it almost ate Frodo. And here we find out that it that it killed one of the other like last last standing dwarves. Oh my gosh. It's so yeah, it's just so sad and creepy. Yeah, and like you said, bone chilling. Yeah. It's this this caused this caused little me reading watching the movie for the first time a lot of fear. Man, I'm really like for the first time reading like the previous chapter and these chapters, I like cannot wait to watch the movie. It's just too bad. It probably won't be for like another like two years. But I'm like, oh, well. I really want to watch the movie. And I'm I'm like really excited. Maybe I should lower my expectations. And ca- well, I don't know. It's just it's because I've heard so many amazing things from like genuine diehard Lord of the Rings fans that like the movies are good. And that just makes oh, me yeah. so happy because being like a diehard Harry Potter fan, and being like the movies are eh they have Harry Potter in them is about all I can say for it but I think I'm not sure exactly which one it was but I know one of the actors would walk around set and his room I heard one of the actors would walk around set with the book and just correct the director on certain things and say nope according to the book it says this actually so we need to do this and the director's like cool we can do that <laughs> like the level of respect for the original text is not something you find often in the cinematic world. I like it when actors are very when the, I mean they should because it's their job, but I like it when they genuinely care about the work that they're doing and the characters and the worlds and everything. And they're like, let's do what we can to make this great. <laughs> yes, they finish reading the sad book as I started just talking about it in my notes as they're like, all right, let's get out of here. And then Gandalf proceeds. He the way he describes like where they need to go, he's like, oh well, if the blah blah room is at the north end and the bubble room is at the south end, then we must be f- two leagues above the so-and-so end, then we need to go that way. And it just felt like one of those math problems. So well, I'll read it. So Gandalf says, 
Let's see. The hall must be the 21st of the north end. Therefore, we should leave by the eastern arch of the hall and bear right and south and go downwards. The 21st hall should be on the seventh level. That is six above the level of the gates. And it just felt like one of those math problems where it's like, if Timmy is half of Jimmy's age, but twice two years older than Susie, how old is Bill? And and how many watermelons does Jim have? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what on earth is going on? I'm like, Gano, I don't care where we are in relation to everything else. Just tell us where to go. So right as they are talking about where to go, the orcs who have a flair for the dramatics decide to come storming in like right now, which is what I was kind of confused about. And Amy, I know you're a like newer reader of the books. I don't know if you finished all of them yet or if you've I don't know, maybe. You, you know what? Also, you're, you have t- you have one more degree than I do, so you're probably smarter than me. But I was just kind of confused That's about, how like, that works. have the orcs been in Moria the entire time that they've been in here? And they've just been, like, waiting for one of those moments where, like, there's a setup for them to burst in with the, like, line. It's kind of like that's what happened because they're talking, they're reading this journal and they read about the drums, drums in the deep. And then right as they mention it, it says, or or right as they finish it and they're like, okay, let's get out of here. It says, a rolling boom that seemed to come from depths far below and to tremble in the stone at their feet. They spring towards towards the door in alarm doom doom it rolled again as if huge hands were turning the very caverns of moria into a vast drum so they literally were like i think that's our cue to enter boss they read the journal (laughs) i feel like just the natural order of having a large group of people anywhere in an echoey cavern covered in skeletons is at some point they're making a noise so i don't know Maybe they heard the noise a long time ago, and then they had to grab coffee, and then they had to make sure that everybody was there, and then do roll call, and then make sure everybody had their armor on. And oh my gosh, this random orc lost his sword. Has anybody seen their sword? And then there's this huge argument over whose sword and what scabber, and everything's going down, and then finally it's like, I... We're ready. And so the <laughs> orcs roll. are just going off like another group of people coming into the mine. Gotta kill them all. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I guess maybe Moria could also just be really big. So maybe they have always been in there with them and it's just taken them a long time to catch up. Who knows? Or find them, you know. True. It is dark down it's there. Hard <laughs> enough, it's hard enough finding my stuff in like... A two-bedroom apartment. You this know? is true. I have no idea where my Motrin is right now. I spent about five minutes yesterday trying to find my phone, and it was sitting on uh, the coffee table the entire time. So, <laughs> not that great at the hiding. The orcs ghosts. are really relatable. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, one. no. Where so, are this entire group of people? Yeah, so the, they hear these ominous drums, as Ori mentioned in the journal. Then they say, so then they are coming, cried Legolas. We cannot get out, said Gimli. So that's just extra creepy. I don't know if Legolas and Gimli were just like being smart Alex or if they just did it unintentionally. But the fact that they like repeated the exact words that Ori wrote is just, you know, like history repeating itself almost. Thanks, Tolkien. I didn't need to sleep tonight. Yeah, it's just, ah, it's just so creepy. So then Gandalf, in like typical Gandalf pretentious fashion, he's like, yes, we are caught here just as they were before. But I was not here then. 
we will see what. So he's like, yeah, 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 we're caught. But last time they didn't have me. He's so pretentious. <laughs> God. And yet, I mean, he's not wrong. Well, I mean, barely. Like, he helps them, but I should say barely. Like, he doesn't, spoiler alert, but he doesn't exactly make it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, but maybe they just needed a wizard to fall into a vat in yeah. order to get out. <laughs> in order to get out. Yeah, so the orcs start coming and they close the doors. And I guess there are like two handles or something because they stick a bunch of swords in it to try and like keep it from opening. And then the orcs just start like smashing on the door. Then, like, a, like so, an actor in a haunted house trying to scare people as it walks by, an orc's arm shoots through the crack in the door that starts opening. And it's just the arm, I guess, groping around. And then, so Boromir goes in for, like, a big dramatic swing. But for whatever reason, his sword doesn't work. I don't get it. Like, it barely makes a dent. And I'm just, I was just mad. I think it's a, like, I swear. Where it ha- it has happened in Avatar The Last Airbender, where like Sokka goes in for like a really dramatic swing and then like there's dramatic music and effects and then like all of the effects drop out and it's just like it just makes like a little doink. And that's that what I'm imagining for many times to Sokka. Poor Sokka. <laughs> I mean, he's the Sokka best. ends up okay. It was a little rough for him, buddy, but he's okay. <laughs> I understood that reference. Oh my god, there was a great Tumblr post the other day. And it was like <laughs> it was in the it was in the format of like a Reddit post asking for like relationship advice. It was like I, 13-year-old female, and my brother, 15-year-old male, found a 12-year-old male in an iceberg, and he has powers, and now we are being chased by a 16-year-old male and his age unknown male uncle what should we do (laughs) and then like the last one it just goes on like that going through the plot of avatar and then the last one is like or like my 15 year old male girlfriend 16 year old female just turned into the moon what do i do (laughs) that's rough buddy (laughs) (laughs) so you know what else is rough running through moria with orcs there. Oh, wait. Whoa, well, they're not running What yet. a nice segue. So then, yeah. So Boromir's sword doesn't work. And then Frodo jumps in and he, go, he goes lunging towards it. He just yells, the Shire! And then stabs in, in the foot with his little sword. And I'm The ex- only thing I can imagine is, um, I don't know whether children who went to the public schools did this, but when homeschool Christians go to the pool <laughs> and we leap off the diving board, we yell, for Narnia! Oh my god, that's what I was gonna reference! Is it just to me feels so much like in the Narnia movie at the end when they're going into the big battle and Peta, or Peta, that's the wrong franchise. Peter like lifts his sword and goes like, For Narnia! Just leaves me to, who did See? it first? Tolkien or Lewis? See, you're referencing the epic moment in the story. I am thinking of stupid, dorky, very modest, <laughs> oh. wearing swimsuit, homeschooled Christians yeeting themselves 
off of a diving board into a pool yelling for Narnia. Well. That is the picture I have for Frodo. I think I can beat that because I think it was when I was in maybe ninth grade. We were, it was one of my friend's birthday parties, but we had a huge snowstorm. So her mom like re like reconfigured what they were going to do for the party and made it like a, not a scavenger hunt, but like, um I don't know, like a, a game where like there were certain things that you had to do in like your teams. And it was like all outside and some of it was like build a snowman have a snowball fight whatever and one of them was like record yourself running through the running through the snow yelling for Narnia <laughs> so that's what we did <laughs> we went running through the and like this was a huge snowstorm so like you know we're all in like big bulky snow like pants and boots and the I remember the snow being like up to our knees just running through yelling for Narnia and then like we would all uh, <laughs> just <laughs> I'm so I just <laughs> I don't even know if you saw that, Amy, but <laughs> I have a... I just heard a loud thunk and watched you fo- watch something fall on the ground. I have a water bottle with the screw top, and I had unscrewed it all the way because I was about to lift the top off and take a sip. And as I was flinging my arm up to yell, Fonania, I smacked the top off the water bottle. <laughs> I think the best, the best um, comparisons and allusions and parallels we can find for Frodo doing this is what I just ourselves. Maybe we were the examples of Frodo all along. So anyway, yes. Everyone is, like, shook that Frodo was able to make a dent in the orcs. Aragorn says, one for the Shire. The hobbit's bite is deep. You have a good blade, Frodo, son of Drogo. Which, like, one. I just think it's funny that Aragorn was like, the Shire, one. Orcs, zero. And then, (laughs) in the midst of all this, they have time for the formal naming system, Frodo, son of Drogo. Like Aragorn, there are literal orcs trying to get in here. Can we just like cool it with the lineage talk? So the orcs break through the door, and it's essentially like the end of the first Avengers movie where the camera swoops around all of the Avengers and they're like fighting the aliens off that are attacking New York. Um, and it's essentially like that, and they're just fighting all the orcs off. <laughs> And Sam gets a, like, cut in the head or something. I love how you laugh at that. Well, no, it's because. He said, so it says... A fire, yeah, so Sam um, gets cut in the head, and Tolkien says that, like, he, he like, didn't let himself be affected by it. Like, he ducked down really quickly, and he otherwise, like, would have been killed. So he was really proud of himself that he didn't get killed. I mean, I would also be proud of myself. Um, it says, a fire was smoldering in his brown eyes that would have made Ted Sandy Man step backwards. Who is Ted Sandy, man? What a I imagine ra- like this is going back to that Hobbiton Shire HOA. What? Homeowners <laughs> Association pettiness coming it's, right back around. It's so funny you say that because I was like, this sounds like the name of a local weatherman. Ted Sandy, man. <laughs> like what the hell? Ha- or like a serial killer who has a really bad gimmick. Where, like, he kills you and then he puts sand on you. So then you're, because, you know, sand gets everywhere and you can never get rid of it. So, I don't know. I hate it. It's annoying. Not like you, Padme. (laughs) Um, But no, I imagine Ted Sandyman to be this guy at the Hobbitshire HOA who was complaining about Sam's flowers, but Sam, like, tried to intervene, but very quietly and meekly. And so Ted Sandyman was like, no, take them out. They're against regulation. And now Sam was like, come at me, Ted Sandyman. 
Sandy Man. I will plant my flowers wherever, <laughs> wherever I, I want. Dee Dee Darwell, please. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It just made me laugh because it sounds like such a like normal name. So also. This is at the point where I don't think I know exactly what orcs are, like what they look like, because right now I'm kind of just picture. So I've been picturing this like huge, I guess, kind of like a minotaur, but with like really thick, like leathery skin, maybe. But the way that it's describing them being felt like I thought they were like huge, almost like giant troll, maybe like smaller than a giant. So I was like, the fellowship should be dead if these huge creatures are attacking them. So I guess they're smaller slash more human sized than I originally thought. I don't know. I'm getting sense they're cave dwellers who dwell underground and you would have <coughs> some larger ones, but the majority would be hunched over and have to navigate through a lot smaller spaces. Ooh, creepy. Good point. <laughs> what was it? You live in the darkness. I was born in it. <laughs> So the orcs are fighting and getting through and then one of them throws a spear or or something at Frodo and it kind of slams him into the wall. So we as the readers know that he's wearing this really special dwarf made armor that Bilbo gave to him, but no one else knows that. And so everyone is basically like, OMG, Frodo's dead, rip. And they like have barely even like checked it. They like haven't even checked Press his pulse. F for respect. <laughs> And so they find an opening to run away and Aragorn picks up Frodo and they're running away. And then Frodo's like, I can walk. And Aragorn goes, I thought you were dead. And then Gandalf, always the optimist, goes, not yet. <laughs> like, Thanks, Gandalf. I mean, it's a good... Your optimism is duly noted and always appreciated. Yeah, like it's it's a good point because yes, they do still have a long way to go, but I just love the not yet. <laughs> like the implication that Frodo is going to die, just not right now. <laughs> I love, I like the idea that when Tolkien is showing this to his, um, his writer buddies, I imagine some of their commentary was just so golden that he probably did try to incorporate some of it into the actual canon. Oh, that would be great. I can see him reading this. I can see some being saying, I can walk, put me down. I thought you were dead. And then Lewis being like, not not yet. yet. (laughs) So they're running away. And Gandalf, this is, side note, like every single time Gandalf said something like epic or whatever, I was like, okay, well, that's it. This is where he dies. So at this point, he says like, you guys go on. I'm going to stay here and hold everyone off. And so he, t- yeah, so he tells everyone to keep going and then they are going down the stairs and then all of a sudden, so it says, suddenly at the top of the stair, there was a stab of white light. Then there was a dull rumble and a heavy thud. The drum beats broke out wildly, doom, boom, doom, boom, and then stopped. Gandalf came flying down the steps and fell to the ground in the midst of the company. Oh, and then he also says, well, well, that's over, said the wizard struggling to his feet. <laughs> So also <laughs> that's relatable. So, yeah, so they're also they're like running for their lives and then someone's like, "So what happened up there?" And Gandalf is basically like, "I don't know. Like, I don't know what attacked me, but it's fine. Let's just keep going." And I jokingly wrote like, "Gandalf doesn't know what happened or like what was battling him or what defeated him. This is fine." And then as they keep walking, they realize that there's a big fire. So this is literally the this is fine meme where 
the dog is sitting in the room that's on fire. Yeah, so they find out that the orcs set a fire and... I guess in a good stroke of luck, they happen to be on the right, the correct side of the fire in that it, I guess it's separating them from the orc somewhat. So they're able to get a little bit ahead. And then we come to a narrow, treacherous bridge, which gee, I wonder what's going to happen at this bridge in the chapter that's named the Bridge of Kaza Doom. It's a really narrow, scary bridge, and everyone's running across it. As they're going across it, big scary thing comes up behind them. As one does. Yeah. <laughs> and this is also, as I was reading it, I was like, okay, so this is it, right? Like, this is when it happens, yeah? What it was could not be seen. It was like a great shadow in the middle of which was a dark form of man shape, maybe yet greater. And a power and terror seemed to be in it and to go before it. It came to the edge of the fire, and the light faded as if a cloud had bent over it. Then, with the rush, it leaped across the fissure. The flames roared up to greet it and wreathed about it. A black smoke swirled in the air. Its streaming mane kindled and blazed behind it. In its right hand was a blade like a stabbing tongue of fire. In its left, it held a whip of many thongs, which the British call flip-flops thongs, not underwear. So <laughs> I'm assuming it, it was thong means, I guess, like strip, like thin leather strip, thinking about like what a flip-flop like goes in between your toes. So I guess it's just a whip of a bunch of little other whips attached to it, which is pretty freaky. <laughs> and then yeah. this is when we <laughs> learn what it is. Again, <laughs> I love how he says this. A balrog, muttered Gandalf. Now I understand. He faltered and leaned heavily on his staff. What an evil fortune, and I am already weary. So basically, Gandalf is like, I'm getting too old for this. Shire. (laughs) I just just like like, that he's like, you too. (laughs) He's like, of course, a Balrog. Why not? Why not at this point? And then this is where finally I'm like, okay, now it's going to happen. Um, and he's telling everyone to go. Everyone's going over the bridge and Gandalf is standing between them and everyone else. Aragorn and Boromir kind of stand off closer to Gandalf, I guess, ready to jump in if they need to, or probably honestly a little like, hey, maybe you should step away from the giant beastie thing so we can all live. <laughs> this is when it was like the biggest, <laughs> I like laughed. Honestly, Gandalf stood firm. You cannot pass, he said. The orc stood still and a dead silence fell. I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Anor. You cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udun. Sure. Go back to the shadow. You cannot pass. So I feel like I've been lied to because in the movie, it's this huge epic thing thing and like this is like i don't remember a lot of what happened in the movie but i do remember this you shall not pass and 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 in the book it's you cannot pass i don't even think he says it with an exclamation yeah he doesn't even say it with an exclamation point it's all three times no a few lines down a few lines down he does okay he does exclamation point but oh my exclamation point if nothing else it just made me laugh so much because of how i was just like dumbfounded 
dumbfounded about how much less epic it is in the book than in the movie. So I mean, you know, I mean, you have let, to make it let old Gandy boy have his moment. Yeah, you have to make it more dramatic for the movie, obviously. So then, bear with me as I read this kind of long part. At that moment, Gandalf lifted his staff. And crying aloud, he smote the bridge before him. The staff broke asunder and fell from his hand. A blinding sheet of white flame sprang up. The bridge cracked. Right at the Balrog's feet it broke, and the stone upon which it stood crashed into the gulf while the rest remained, poised, quivering, like a tongue of rock thrust out into emptiness. With a terrible cry, the Balrog fell forward, and its shadow plunged down and vanished. But even as it fell, it swung its whip, and the thongs lashed and curled about the wizard's knees, dragging him to the brink. He staggered and fell, gripping vainly at the stone, and slid into the abyss. And then his final words, so fittingly, Fly, you fools, he cried, and was gone. We shall now take a moment of silence for our dear Gandalf. Wonderful. So you should know that we didn't pause the audio or anything. We just stopped and waited. Yeah, it was a true moment of silence, which I'm going to ruin the mood because it's so fitting that he his last words are an insult and he's calling them fools. So fitting. (sighs) May I honestly want to just be like, and that's the end of this episode. Okay, thanks, Amy. Thanks for coming on. That was fun. Much like the fellowship, we must go on and they heed his advice and GTFO and everyone gets outside and basically they're all they all just kind of stand around and cry for a bit and that's how chapter five ends <laughs> is with the I death I love the ending officially of the chapter doom doom the drum beats Ooh, faded yeah let me yeah I'll read that because I actually did highlight it they looked back Dark yawned the archway of the gates under the mountain shadow. Faint and far beneath the earth rolled the slow drum beats. Doom. A thin black smoke trailed out. Nothing else was to be seen. The dale all around was empty. Doom. Grief at last wholly overcame them, and they wept long. Some standing and silent, some cast upon the ground. Doom. Doom. The drum beats faded. It's a heck of a way to end a chapter. Oh, I literally wrote in my notes. I mean, that's how you do like an ominous ending. That's so well done. Holy cow. (laughs) I love how chapter six begins with Farewell Gandalf. Did I not say to you if you pass the doors of Moria, beware? Alas, that I spoke true. Yep. And that's and how like, we... Aragorn, maybe this is not the time to say I told you so. Yep. And that's how we kick off chapter six, Lothlorien. And yeah, it opens with the nice I told you so from Aragorn <laughs> being like, I, this is why I didn't want to come here. <laughs> but whatever, fine. I guess I'll, I'm the leader now, so. As much as I'm excited that I was here for chapter five to, to walk through that moment of Gandalf's last moments as Gandalf the Grey, I am fired up and furious for this chapter of Lothlorien. Wow, I'm interested to hear because, yeah, you were saying that the reason you wanted to come on for this is because of a character that is introduced here. And I was like, oh, it's got to be, oh God, this is, I don't think I've ever said her name out loud. So Galadriel, Galadriel, 
How do you say it? I think I've heard most people put the accent on the second syllable, so it would be Galadriel. Galadriel. But okay, I could be wrong because I don't hang out with enough Lord of the Rings nerds to really know these things. But Galadriel is always how I've pronounced it, so we're just going to go with that cool. because I'm an authority because I have two degrees. Just your luck that one of the Lord of the Rings nerds that you hang out with happens to be a nerd who knows nothing about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> nice. So it kicks off, yeah, like we said, with the nice I told you so from Aragorn. And basically they're like, all right, we have to keep going because we need to put distance between ourselves and the orcs. We've got to keep going. And basically, like, if you thought this was a depressing journey before, just wait. Because they're real sad and depressed now. As they're walking, Gimli stops and says, let's go look at the mirror mirror slash, what is it called? Kelid Zaram, which I was just kind of confused about. It, so it's like a magic lake. I get the sense it has a very deep history. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're walking in Gimli. Oh, it says, the pillar marks the spot where Durin first looked in the mirror mirror. Let's look ourselves once. Here we go. See, that's the problem. And that's what, like, I'm sure right now everyone listening is like, I can't believe she doesn't even understand the beautiful, like, deep meaning that this has with Gimli and the dwarves and his history and their people and it has such beautiful meaning and I'm just like it's a magic lake (laughs) question mark I will say it does sound beautiful yeah so they're walking and as they're leaving the area Gimli is like hang on I want to go look at this one thing real quick and kind of say goodbye ask Frodo to come with him did Sam come with him too yeah so Frodo that's what's also funny in this chapter is I think it happens twice where someone is like Frodo come with me and then Sam just comes along anyway um which is kind of I guess (laughs) A good summary of his character is Sam just comes along anyway. They go over to this, I don't know, pond lake area? And they look into the water. Then slowly they saw the forms of the encircling mountains mirrored in a profound blue. And the peaks were like plumes of white flame above them. Beyond, there was a space of sky. There, like jewels sunk in the deep, shone glinting stars, though sunlight was in the sky above. Of their own stooping forms, no shadow could be seen. Whatever this magical dwarf pond is, it sounds beautiful. So, and I guess it's also like a nice tender moment to kind of leave this area as they're like walking away from this site where they lost one of their fellowship. So maybe that's what it's for. Oh, hey, you know what? I was like, I was about to say, it's nice to like pause for a moment of reflection. You know what the water does? Reflects things. Wow. It's almost. That's amazing. Like Tolkien knows what symbolism is. So... <laughs> They continue their journey onwards to put the space between them and the orcs. And Sam and Frodo have these injuries that the rest of the group has kind of forgotten about. And Aragorn is also kind of just, I guess he at this point, he just has blinders on. Like, we got to get out of here. Let's get going. I can't believe Gandalf died. I have to lead this group to safety. And it makes a point that Sam and Frodo start lagging behind. And then all of a sudden, Legolas turns around and realizes that they're like way far behind the group. And there's this one meme that I've seen a billion times and it's from the movie. And I think this is what it's referring to. And it's, I guess, Boromir and Aragorn are like walking 
on or like walking forwards and they're kind of close to they're in the foreground of the camera they represent firefox and chrome and then like the next shot is like way in the background is the internet explorer and i guess (laughs) that would be sam and frodo in this scene so i guess that's what that meme is referring to i guess so yeah so then legolas is like all right let's stop for a bit regroup or this is where the rest of the group finds out about frodo's armor and kind of have a giggle about it and and Aragorn is like, you know what? Good for you, because you might be dead otherwise. <laughs> and Legolas starts talking about, I like, I'm so excited to read the next chapter, but I really love the later half of this chapter because of what he goes on to describe. So they're talking about where to go and what their next plan is. And he says, There lie the woods of Lothlorien. That is the fairest of all the dwellings of my people. There are no trees like the trees of that land. For in the autumn their leaves fall not, but turn to gold. Not till the spring comes and the new green opens do they fall. And then the boughs are laden with yellow flowers. And the floor of the wood is golden, and golden is the roof, and its pillars are of silver. For the bark of the trees is smooth and gray. So still are songs and mirkwood say. My heart would be glad if I were beneath the eaves of that wood and it were springtime. Man, it sounds beautiful. <laughs> and like, just what they need at this point in the journey, you know? I, well, I'll save my rant because oh, I'm geez. already getting mad about Uh-oh. this. Because I too am delighted by these trees. I am furious for what is about to happen. Oh, jeez. Continue. But uh, to me, it sounds like, I don't know if it's a bad thing or good, but it's it's this new thing that like people are having to deal with in the 21st century where like people are only going to places because it's like Instagrammable and are possibly like ruining these places or whatever. I just feel like Lothlorien would be like number one Instagram destination in Middle Earth. <laughs> Oh, 100%. That or like the Shire. Yeah, followed by the Shire, I feel like. Because Lothlorien, oh man, it sounds, I don't know, it just sounds, actually, you know what? I've been trying to think of what I've been picturing in my brain and I finally made the connection. It sounds like the maple treeway level of Mario Kart on the Wii. The track is set that in- is not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> what it sounds like Rainbow Road. <laughs> No, I was like I know. That's why I can't believe that's what I've been picturing. If you've look, people, if you've ever played Mario Kart, I don't know, like if there are any other versions of Mario Kart that this level is on, but it's a level where you just drive through a tree and everything, the leaves all around are like golden and orange and beautiful. And if you like fly through a leaf pile, the leaves like go up in the air and it's just beautiful for a Mario Kart level. Um, So they're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go there. I do. I will say that I love this quote right here, kind of talking at, at the end of the Lothlorien little bit of Legolas introducing it, Mm -hmm. of Boromir saying, then lead on, but it is perilous. And Aragorn says, perilous indeed, fair and perilous, but only evil need fear it or those who bring evil with some evil with them. Follow me. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. To me, that's just inspiring. Let's just keep going like they did. Yeah. So as they keep going, once again, Frodo feels like he hears something following them. God, I hate it so much. The way that, um, let's see, where is it? As soon as the shadows had fallen about them and the road behind was dim, he had heard again the quick patter of feet. Even now he heard it. He turned swiftly. There were two tiny gleams of light behind or for a moment he thought he saw them. God, it's so creepy and I hate it. And I'm just, I just, in my 
head, I'm hearing like little tiny wet feet going like, like, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, It just sounds creepy. I'm just imagining like floppy wet feet hitting like a tiled floor is what I'm hearing in my head is the best way I can describe it. And once again, I'm like, Gollum, is that you? So we'll see. And Gimli is like, no, I don't hear anything. Before they they are almost there, yeah, Boromir, I don't get what Boromir's issue is with going there. Because he seems, yeah, he says, is there no other way? Uh, what other fairer way would you desire, said Aragorn. I don't know, like, just what's his issue? Uh, Boromir, if in the city... Says, it's because he's heard that nobody's come out unscathed, but Aragorn says... I think unchanged is what you mean, so it's not a negative experience like you've heard. But I have... I'm going to save that for later because okay. I'm <laughs> mad about that. Anyways, oh continue. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of like, Boromir, that's weird. Like, this is supposedly like the most beautiful, wonderful place that you can go to. And then point being, the next thing that they do is they walk through a river and Legolas is like, here is Nimrodel. Sure, let's go with that. Of this stream to the Sylvan Elves made many songs long ago, and still we sing in the north, remembering the rainbow on it on its falls and the golden flowers floated in its form. Um, I will bathe my feet, for it is said that the water is healing to the weary. And then as they cross, it says, it was cold, but its touch was clean. And as he went on and it mounted to his knees, he felt that the stain of travel and all weariness was washed from his limbs so love that nice little i don't know parallel to baptism (laughs) um that water symbolism supposedly i just love i forget who said it but one of my guests was like yeah tolkien likes to pretend that he doesn't have any parallels or biblical symbolism or anything like that in his books but it's there and like this like it literally like talking about like for any listeners who aren't christian or or anything like that in the church uh baptism is when you um bless a child or when you're older if you choose to join the church you are washed with the holy water and it washes away your sins and it like cleanses you and that's like like literally how this is described he felt this and also like several times in the bible sin is referred to as a stain that god and jesus can wash away and then here it is he felt that the stain of travel and all weariness was washed from his limbs so tolkien i don't know what you talking about willis but there's definitely some biblical parallels in here <laughs> i don't know what you talking about Wait. i don't know what you talking about i'm so dumb i can't believe the name of my own show was in there and I didn't even oh wait no that's what I'm talking about I'm getting confused I'm getting it confused with what one of the other possible names for the show was which is what you talking about which I just think is funny that is the one time I think that I did listen to a Twitter poll because I tweeted a couple different names and was like which one should I choose and everyone chose that's what I'm talking about so congratulations your vote counted then you know what else counts actual voting don't let anyone deceive you vote this November. It's so important. Please make sure you're registered. <laughs> Go vote, please. Okay. I like how it started strong and it ended as begging. <laughs> please go vote. Please go vote. <laughs> Do you see what's happening to our country right now? Do it. Anyway. <laughs> 
I like how you made this big stink about how he's always singing earlier in the show. I mean, they're like, well, our friend died. Time to sing. Yeah. So that's actually what I wrote. Yeah. So they kind of get like just barely into the woods. Into the woods. It's time to go. I hate to leave. I have to though. Sorry. I have to. (laughs) Into the woods. It's time. And so I must begin my journey. journey. I will literally sing that entire song right now if I don't stop. So they make it into the woods like I guess kind of like just in the entrance like just barely and they decide all right let's stay here for the night and literally I wrote wow it's really been a while since we've had like folklore story sing a long time and then sure enough here it is (laughs) another folklore story sing a long time and it's about I don't remember so moving on (laughs) It's about Nimrodel. Sure. It's an elf maiden who no one knows where she went. And then a ship. They don't know where it is. And once again, I'm sure this has, I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, this is so important to the elfish history and the character of Legolas. And how are you missing all of this right now? Well, I'll tell you how I'm missing it. So anyway, they decide that staying on the ground isn't the best plan. So because in case the orcs come through in the night, so they decide to do what the elves do or the other elves and climb up in the trees. And Legolas is like, all right, I'll go check it out. And he climbs up and then he comes back down and is like, so turns out there are elves up there and they know we're down here. And I love this part. God, it made me laugh so much. And it says, let's see. Yes, there are elves. And they say that you breathe so loud that they could shoot you in the dark. Sam hastily put his hand over his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part. It's so good. They decide to let them come up. So this is like the one time I that's not I, that's a lie. But this is one of those few times where there there wasn't just a random song just to have a song. It actually served the plot a bit because the elves say that they heard Legolas singing this elvish song slash history folklore whatever and so they knew because they heard his voice singing this song and telling this tale that this was an elf in their company and therefore they can be somewhat trusted rather than being shot in the dark as they said they might do <laughs> Legolas takes up with him Frodo and then once again Sam comes along and I love yeah it says behind came Sam trying not to breathe loudly <laughs> so I love that the elves have just scared <laughs> Sam into breathing like at all I I need to I need to I'm sorry I can almost like I'm trying to hold it back okay. for a moment that is so, making me furious. No, don't worry. Um, I have a feeling I know what you're talking about now. They climb up and there are three elves up there. One of them is Halder. Is this who you hate? No. So here's the deal. I strongly dislike this elf. However, I strongly dislike a lot of elves in this chapter. Oh, that's so funny. For one specific reason. Okay. And that reason is what you're about this discussion that okay, they're about cool. to have. Oh, it's so funny because I like, I loved the, I mean, I didn't love it, but it just, um, I don't know. I really appreciate it. So the other two elves don't speak. It says the common language. So I guess in our world, that is English. And the other two elves don't speak it, but this one elf named Halder does. So he kind of translate and he says that they've heard news about what they're doing and, pa- and that they would be passing through possibly and that they 
have an evil ring with them. Actually, you know what? I don't know. Oh, it just says we um, have heard that there are hobbits and halflings coming along this way. I guess they don't know why. But anyway, then he says, who is with you? And Legolas says, there's eight of us, myself, four hobbits, and two men. And then he's like, hey, that was only seven. Who's the eighth person? And then it says, the eighth is a dwarf, said Legolas. A dwarf, said Halder. That is not well. I, I'm, okay, so here, this is what I am right, angry let's go. about. Which, here. I am furious about this. Let me, let me jump in and just say, like, preface this with, like, I was like, wow, so I guess the, the dwarf elf beef runs really deep. So, all right, go it on. It does. I'm angry at the elves because I feel like, the elves, because of the power that they wield and the connections that they have, have not been affected by Sauron and his forces and the orcs for a really long time. Ooh. But everybody else except the hobbits has. And it seems like, and going back to especially the Council of Elrond, that really frustrated me as a chapter because it was the elves saying, "It's we sense that Sauron is stirring. And, I mean, Gimli sitting there, like, having not heard from anyone who went into Moria in a long time, and Boromir sitting there, having watched so many of his men die to keep Sauron's forces back at Gondor, because Gondor is, like, the barrier between the rest of the world and Mordor. And they're both sitting there like, what do you mean it hasn't been stirring in a while? We've watched people die that we care about, and you are just acting like this is a problem now? It's only a problem to the elves because it's the affecting the elves. It has always been affecting the dwarves. It has always been affecting Boromir and the men and the humans. It's been affecting Rohan. It's been affecting Gondor. And only now the elves care about it. And then we get this BS where we go into this whole deal of them not letting Gimli go into their forest without a blindfold because he's a dwarf. For reasons that have been passed down and that no actual modern day elf or dwarf, as far as I can see, has any reason to keep this blood feud going. There is no reason. If the elves are so worldly sensey that they can claim, oh, Sauron's rising up, then one, why aren't you making peace with the dwarves? Because clearly they're not the biggest enemy. But also, two, if you're so earth-sensing, you should have known that Sauron was dealing up with this and killing people and waging war on people and raising his forces for a long time before this. And this is like, it was just so ridiculous because you will see this at the rest of the chapter and you'll see the rest of the next chapter too of them making weird comments at Gimli. Like, wow, you're pretty good for a dwarf. You're the nice first nice dwarf we've met. And I'm sitting here like, wow, can you imagine if we put an ethnicity or race in for dwarf? What kind of garbage that would be? I'm so mad that Boromir gets demonized by literally everybody when the reality is he's been on the ground watching his people die and then he comes to a meeting where everybody tells him how stupid he is for not knowing these things and of course we can't use the ring Boromir and of course it's just starting now Boromir and he's been like I've buried my men I've had to go to funerals I've been the leader of people who've been sacrificing for forever and you're just telling me that I'm an idiot and it's just now getting violent no my men have died for this 
you don't get to dismiss this whole conflict as just starting again. The reason you can claim ignorance is because of my men's sacrifice. And then we get an entire series of chapters on them in Moria with a horrible death of Balin and the diary of Ori. And then you come to this BS like, oh, you're dwarves. I've watched, so I just read a diary of a dwarf that died with his brethren in the most horrible fashion. And then I get a bunch of tree dwellers acting like dwarves are the worst people ever. No, I'm angry. Wow, that was great. <laughs> Too long, didn't listen. Elves are ignorant and racist, and I don't like them. Cool. So, to play devil's advocate a little bit, <laughs> and I hate that I just said to play devil's advocate. Honestly, I'm not really like, I don't, I don't at all disagree with you. However, I... So if I remember slash understand it correctly, the gist of the quote unquote beef between the dwarves and the elves is that there was something that was happening. I don't know exactly a battle or whatever. I think I remember someone saying that the dwarves fled and left the elves. I've heard the opposite. Was it the opposite? Okay. Because I was going to say if it was. But I might be remembering wrong. Well, see, that's a. Yeah, that's why I'm afraid I'm remembering it wrong because I feel like. Because it's mentioned several times how, like, the elves are kind of nomadic and they are not permanent. And when they're in the Council of Elrond chapter, when they're deciding what direction to go, they mention that, like, oh, well, we can't go this direction because the elves are known to flee in that direction in the past. But anyway, so if it is that the dwarves were the ones that abandoned the elves, I can understand why the elves are mad about that. That's hard for a whole people, you know, great, great, great grandfather, whoever. Actually, I don't know because the elves are, that's something that I just still don't understand is if elves are immortal slash ageless, how do they age slash have children? Like, when they have kids, how do the kids age if the elves are ageless? Anyway, I can understand how the elves could have beef still all these years later because that's like a hurt that doesn't go away, a pain that doesn't go away in your people's history of someone of being abandoned and being put in danger because of that abandonment. So if that's how it happened, I get that. Please don't write in to tell me how wrong I am. I'm sure I've already figured it out by the time you're listening to this. And then also- Googled it. Okay, yeah. I Googled it. Yes, and? So apparently, let's see. Also, side note, I could not Google it because I am prone to spoiling myself on things. So thank you for Googling it. (laughs) Yeah, so basically, it sounds like your boy Thingol who seems like he is an elf. And okay. he is a king of elf, I believe. And he had, and I am going to quote directly from this Wi-Fi, which is called sci-fi.stackexchange.com. Thingol's murder was a trigger that changed the relationship. Thingol had thought to combine the great work of, greatest work of the elves and that of the dwarves. He hired dwarves from Nagarod to do so, who seized the Cimmeril and refused to return it, which was of the elves. When Thingol attempted to recover it, the dwarves slew him and then were slain in turn. Then the dwarves, two dwarven escapees that incited the people to war over this. The result was a sack of Doriath and the destruction of one of the great elven realms. Fair, I can understand you being mad because the dwarves see something that's valuable and then kill your king and then go to war over the retribution. That being said, it has been a very long time. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Gimli uh, didn't do nothing 100%. to deserve I was gonna this. Say, Gimli is like, granted, I think I've only met 
two dwarves at this point in the book but like Gimli seems like a quality dwarf <laughs> yeah but and then and also it's, it's, the it's the second is. reason why I can understand why the elves are really hesitant to have a dwarf come in or honestly first off they are really hesitant to have any of them come into the forest and they even like make comments to Legolas about like oh you didn't grow up here you're a di- you know you're a I guess kind of like the difference between like the northern and southern water tribes how they're all you know water tribe but two completely different regions you know ways of being brought up and living but anyway so if Lothlorien slash Lorien is as like majestic and beautiful like it seems to me like it's just this perfect little safe place bubble that has not been touched and they talk about that we'll get to that when they we get to the end of the chapter too but it really seems like it has not been touched by darkness yet I'm assuming it will be at some point if you're watching the world around you crumble and your world is not crumbled at all I can totally understand being like no we are not letting any outsiders in here because this is our this is like the safe place for our people and if we risk letting outsiders in here we could lose all of our like livelihood and and this beautiful majestic magical instagrammable place and you will find in the next chapter that there is another side to that story of how Lothlorien and how it functions Mm -hmm. And even that perspective does not have backing. Oh, okay. Oh, that's like. I mean, the very reason, the reason that I am angry at the elves and not at the hobbits is because it really seems like the hobbits and the rest of the world are very sequestered off from each other. Mm -hmm. So there's a very different reason why the hobbits were never involved. Still a bit of a selfish one, just not wanting to. But the elves cannot claim all this world, all this like mystical knowledge and connection with nature and connection with life and then kind of ignore all of the dwarves sacrifice Mm -hmm. and the human sacrifice to keep this at as long as it has. Yeah. And I'm mad about that. That being said, I'm also laughing hardcore because I think you know what, I think you probably found these lines very entertaining, but I definitely did, is when basically Haldir says, can't go back, but if you're going to go any further, you all have to, you have to wear a blindfold, Gimli. And Gimli says, well, hang on, we're not there yet. Okay, okay, I I, I love this you're part. Jumpin', that, you're jumping ahead. I, do, I okay. do love that part that you're referring to. Yeah, so the <laughs> kind of what sparked this Team Elf or Team Dwarf debate <laughs> is that, um, so the elves are like, oh, if there's a dwarf here, he's going to have to wear a blindfold. Yeah, so it's a, like, okay, fine, we take your word for it that he's a trustworthy dwarf, but even still, we're going to blindfold him. And they're like, okay, fine, we'll talk about that tomorrow everyone come up into our little tree forts and let's go Betty bye so they all climb up and decide to go to bed for the night because once again I don't know if I mentioned it before but the elves are kind of they live a little bit safer because they are able to sleep up in the treetops and it's safer because if the orcs or any other bad guys were to pass through the ground they would have literally the upper hand it's over Anakin yeah I have 
have the high ground. <laughs> so they climb up and this is where I have some, I have a concern. And this is like, so they come up and they eat food and it says the hobbits accepted this second and far better supper very gladly. So this is page 344 in my book. And this is, I think, the very first mention, the closest mention we've gotten to any kind of reference to the hobbit food schedule is the breakfast, second breakfast, 11sies, lunch, second lunch, supper thing. Is that just a movie thing? Because we are very far into the first book and they have made no reference to second breakfast. And I, like, this is like the only thing that I knew about Hobbits going into this series before is that they have a lot of meals throughout the day. I don't, I just feel... I feel lied to. I feel betrayed. <laughs> it kind of... I'm going to Wikipedia article. Um, Ah. In Jared Tolkien's novel The Hobbit, the protagonist, Bobo Baggins, eats a second breakfast. And in the preface to its sequel, Lord of the Rings, Tolkien mentions that hobbits prefer to eat six meals a day. So, okay. I guess I'm going to assume that that means that the writers of the movies picked up on the fact on these two like the fact that those are the only two specific mentions because if I recall in the movie I think it's Sam or someone else who's like they're going off on the journey and they're like but what about second breakfast oh no I think it's Mary and Pippin yeah it's Mary and Pippin Pippin. yeah (laughs) Um, what about second breakfast and then lunch and afternoon tea dinner supper Yeah, so I'm assuming that the fact that the hobbits eat six meals a day, I'm assuming that's a fact that the writers in the movies picked up on and decided to expand upon to make it a punchline for the movies. All the same, I feel just as betrayed as you cannot pass versus you shall not pass. And so moving on, (laughs) they are going to bed and the Hobbs are the Hobbs are having some trouble going to bed because they're so used to they don't like heights I love that Tolkien mentions that even in their houses if they have a second floor they don't go upstairs like they don't sleep up on the second floor because they don't like heights um I love the extraness of hobbits build the second floor do not go on second floor (laughs) yeah and Pippin it says Pippin went on talking for a while I hope if I do go to sleep in this bird loft that I shan't roll off he said once I do get to sleep said Sam I shall go on sleeping whether I roll off or no and the less said the sooner I'll drop off if you take my meaning so Pippin (laughs) Pippin is that kid at the sleep at your sleepovers growing up who it's like dead silent everyone's quiet and then Pippin's the kid who goes, hey, is anyone awake? Surprise, surprise. I was that kid. And then Sam (laughs) is that one kid who's like, shut up. I have a soccer game tomorrow morning. I have to be well rested or else I'm not going to be able to play. I feel like Sam wasn't even that kid. He's the kid who's like, Pippin's like, is anyone sleeping? And Sam's like, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. I just, uh, it just makes so much. I'm just so happy that this scene, this little snippet happened because it makes so much sense that Pippin would be that one kid 
did at the sleepover. <laughs> oh. I'm glad that you're slowly understanding and enjoying and appreciating oh, no. the Hobbit lifestyle as it is. Oh, yeah. Because I know you were a bit on the fence or I just, you were at the beginning a little hesitant of Sam in particular and a little bit kind of on the fence about the Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's not that I'm on the fence. First of all, I will say Sam, I'm still not a huge fan of. He's much less Sam. I don't know. how He's de-Sammed a bit as this book has gone on for the better I think he's kind of he's he's calmed down a lot <laughs> and Pippin I <laughs> I appreciate Pippin in the last couple chapters mostly for the fact that he ex- he almost existed solely to give Gandalf a good reason to roast him like the lines that Gandalf dropped about Pippin are some of my favorite lines in literature like the previous chapter Pippin's they're talking about the gates of Moria and how they're gonna unlock it and Pippin's like oh how are you gonna open it Gandalf and Gandalf says well I'll smash it open with your head of course now shut up so I can think (laughs) and then (laughs) yeah and then they're in the they're in Moria and there's a giant hole in the ground and Pippin like tosses a rock down to see how deep it is and it makes a really loud noise and Gandalf goes fool of a took this is a serious journey not a hobbit walking party throw yourself in next time and you will be no further nuisance oh my god he's savage I love it so much oh rest in peace rip in peace indeed um and then meanwhile pippin can rest in pieces because he been roasted (laughs) anyway dang so in the middle of the night frodo wakes up and it's because the orcs are walking through so sure enough they were very smart to not sleep on the ground and the orcs are walking through but thankfully everything's been so quiet that they haven't they're not arousing suspicion or anything and then oh so creepy Um, (laughs) just gags because this part's so creepy. Then he heard faintly a sound like sniffling and something seemed to be scrabbling on the bark of the tree trunk. He stared down into the dark, holding his breath. Something was now climbing slowly and its breath came like a soft hissing through closed teeth. Then coming up close to the stem, Frodo saw two pale eyes. They stopped and gazed upward, unwinking. Suddenly they turned away and a shadowy figure slipped round the trunk of the tree and vanished. Ah, so creepy. So obviously this has got to be whatever the heck has been following them around that Frodo keeps hearing that I'm convinced is Gollum and Oh, it's so creepy. I don't know. Like It is definitely creepy. Just the imagery of like, it's dark and he looks down the tree and there's this like creature, like, where is it? Sniffling and scrabbling on the bark of the tree, soft hissing through closed teeth. Ah, oh, so creepy. So can't wait to figure out what the fork that is later on. They go back to sleep and then in the morning, they start off toward the heart of Lorien, the scent, the I guess, I don't know, the center or whatever, where all the action is. And this is where the drama goes down with the blindfolds. Basically, this is where they break the news. I love it so much. Basically, um, oh, well, actually, first of all, they go to cross a river and the elves tie like a piece of rope across the river to two trees and they literally just like run across it. (laughs) 
And they would be so good at parkour. (laughs) Oh, I should. I don't know if I shared this or not. So a couple episodes ago, I absolutely lost it at this imagery of it was describing Legolas running over the snow because he's so light and quick on his feet because he's an elf and he can run over the snow like that. But the way Tolkien described it, I don't know why it made me laugh so much. And I was trying to figure out how to describe it. It's because I was imagining him basically Naruto running across the snow. (laughs) And so now whenever it mentions the elves running or being light on their feet, I'm just imagining them Naruto running across this little piece of rope. So after they parkour, after they Naruto run across the rope and then get the rest of the fellowship across the river with some other ropes to hold on to, this is when they're like, okay, and as agreed, we're going to blindfold Gimli. (laughs) And then it just says, this was not at all to the liking of Gimli. The agreement was made without my consent, he said. I will not walk a blindfold like a beggar or a prisoner. I am no spy. My folk have never had any dealings with the servants of the enemy. Neither have we done harm to the elves. I am no more likely to betray you than Legolas or any of my other companions. And so at this point... Yes, (laughs) Gimli. So at this point, yeah, Gimli is like, um, no, I am no more likely to betray you than Legolas. I'm not going blindfolded. And I like that up like Legolas has been like, like, yeah, no, Gimli's a good dwarf. He's not going to hurt us. We can trust him. And then as soon as Gimli is like, fine, if I'm going to walk blindfolded, Legolas is going to walk blindfolded. And then Legolas is like, um, excuse me? What now? I'm not going blindfolded. My <laughs> yeah, favorite <it's> a- <laughs> thing is Legolas saying, a plague on dwarves and their stiff necks. Aragorn <laughs> says, maybe everyone should wear blindfolds then. And Legolas goes, I'm an elf and a kinsman here. Yes. And... And Aragorn just goes, now let us cry a plague on the stiff necks of elves. Oh my god. I love, Aragorn in this moment is the Spongebob weird capitalization meme. What is that? Wait, what is that? What's Spongebob? It's Spongebob leaning forward, but it's weird, like, uh, like, capitalization. So it's like, oh, I thought you said, I thought you said capitalism. Oh, it's the SpongeBob mocking meme. Does that mean where he's SpongeBob mocking? Where he's meme. leaning for? He's leaning for. So basically, yeah. Yes. So let's see. A yeah. plague on the stiff necks of dwarves. So let's oh, see. Let's say. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Yeah. So let's back up. Yeah. Gimli's like, well, fine. I'll wear a blindfold only if Legolas wears a blindfold. And then this is when Legolas is like, a plague on dwarves and their stiff necks. And then Aragorn. Yes, Aragorn suggests they all wear blindfolds. And then Gimli laughs a merry troop of fools we shall look will halder lead us all on string like many blind beggars with one dog but i will be content if only legolas here shares my blindness i am an elf and a kinsman here and yeah this is when aragorn a plague on the stiff necks of elves <laughs> <laughs> now let us cry anyway so then they all put on blindfolds because sure, that seems like a great idea. Let's just blind the entire fellowship and have them stumble through a forest because they've been doing so great with no blindfolds on so far. So let's blindfold them. <laughs> also, Tolkien originated the bird box challenge. <laughs> As they were like- You hear it her first. <laughs> As I was reading this, I was imagining them like standing in a line, like I guess holding hands or something, and they're all walking blindly, like walking with blindfolds in the woods. I'm like, wait, like what am I, what else has this happened in? And then I was like, oh my God, it's the bird box challenge. It's just, oh you man. You heard it here first. And then. But I do, I will say, look at this. If the, if the elves weren't the elves, then everybody could just be walking through this, blind, I this know. forest 
Without a blindfold. I know. Whatever. I know. Oh man. So also, um, my uh, bird box challenge note was the last note I wrote down for this chapter because I loved reading about Lorian so much. I was like, I don't like know exactly what to say. So they're walking blindfolded. They arrive and they receive word that they are allowed to take their blindfolds off. And Frodo takes his blindfold off and it says he saw no color but those he knew, gold and white and blue. Blue and green, but they were fresh and poignant, as if he had at that moment first perceived them and made for them names new and wonderful. In winter here, no heart could mourn for summer or for spring. No blemish or sickness or deformity could be seen in anything that grew upon the earth. On the land of Lorien, there was no stain. And then further down, Sam is describing it. And he says, I feel as if I was inside a song, if you take my meaning. And then even further down, it says, Frodo felt that he was inside a timeless land that did not fade or change or fall into forgetfulness. And, ah, I just love that. It's so, just the language alone is so pretty. Like, I feel as if I am inside a song. Like that, because like, I mean, have you ever, I'm I'm sure like you've had one of those moments in life where you just kind of like step back and you're like, wow, I feel like there should be some kind of like soundtrack playing right now because everything feels so perfect in this moment or something. Like, oh, it's so good and beautiful. Tolkien's a good writer, y'all. Turns out. (laughs) Your entire audience sitting there like, we know. I know, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Halder comes up to Gimli and it says, or Halder comes up to Gimli and says, they bring me a message from the Lord and Lady of Galadrim. You are to walk free, even the dwarf Gimli. And then to Gimli, it says, your pardon. Look on us now with friendly eyes. Look and be glad. For you were the first dwarf to behold the trees of the Nath of Lorien since Durin's days. So hopefully this is a sign. About that. I was gonna say, right. hopefully, this is some kind of a sign that maybe these particular elves are willing to set aside whatever differences and move forward. Maybe not the entirety of elfdom, but hopefully these elves that they are with now are like, we apologize and we now congratulations, you're in Lorien. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I have mixed feelings. I'm kind of like, on the one hand, this is good. On the one hand, on the other hand, this could be better. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, I kinda how just... I feel about a lot of things right now. Yeah. Go vote, kids. <laughs> vote. If there's anything you take away from this episode, it's to vote. vote. Go register to vote. Go vote. Um, I need to do that. Hold me accountable. Oh, I thought you were, I was like, Amy, you can't, we can't vote yet it's october that doesn't happen for like another i thought you meant like i still haven't voted yet i need to go vote today and i'm like but that's that's not no i need to register unless you're oh register yeah unless you happen to be listening on november i don't know hey siri when's election day oh no i don't want to share my location day is tuesday november 5th 2019 tuesday november 5th kids go vote So, yeah, Hildur takes them up into, I guess, a high part of the forest of the trees, and they look out onto the land. Basically, as they look out into the land, yeah, so they're looking out, and they are looking at this one particular area, and it says, We fear that now it is inhabited again, and with power sevenfold. A black cloud lies over lies often over it of late. In this high place you may see the two powers that are opposed one to another, and ever they strive now in thought. But whereas the light perceives the very heart of the 
darkness, its own secrets has not been discovered. Not yet. So basically, it's like they look around and kind of, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, where I can see how the elves might want to, and you said that I'm probably going to learn information in the next chapter that changes this, or that will add to this opinion, I should say, not change it. Um, Because I don't have all the information yet. Kids, make sure you have all the information before you form an opinion, says the person who has 10% of the information before she forms a lot of opinions about Lord of the Rings. So anywho, yeah, they look around and they're like, wow, what a beautiful, safe, wonderful place Lorien is. Oh, but look over there where like a literal cloud of darkness lies over it. So kind of once again, just a reminder, in case you forgot, there's doom and darkness and evil is just, you know, looming behind us at all times. And then, <laughs> what an optimistic note. Go vote, kids. And so they, <laughs> c- they come back down from the trees and Aragorn is just kind of like, standing around and it is like obviously he seems to be glow like how you tell a pregnant woman she's glowing is basically like what aragorn is it says and he seemed clothed in white a young lord tall and fair he was wrapped in some fair memory and as frodo looked at him he knew that he beheld things as they once had been in this same place so they know that he's thinking about something that happened here i'm assuming it's with galadriel but we'll see about that and then he says here is the heart of Elvendom on earth, he said, and here my heart ever dwells. And then, yeah, and then he says, come with me. And he takes Frodo with him. He left the hill of Saren Amroth and came there never again as living man. So I guess this is the last time Aragorn will be there. <laughs> the end. <laughs> He's just such a, Tolkien and Gandalf just have this spirit of optimism and lightheartedness. And just permeates through everything they <laughs> say and write. Yeah. Well, Tolkien was a World War One veteran, so I can understand why some of his writing might be dark and ominous. Because it's really sad. Oh, it's super random tangent. It's really sad how World War One. Not that like other wars aren't sad, but <laughs> like World War One. Uh, people talk about specifically how like how deeply it affected the men that fought in it because this is like way before and obviously other wars affected them too but like this war specifically how this is like the most carnage and wreckage they've seen in their lives because of all the advances in technology and they came home and everyone's like PTSD what? I don't know what that is. Anyway, (laughs) that is chapters five and six of book two, Fellowship of the Ring. Amy Coyle, How do you feel about that? Do you have any, like, are there any random thoughts or anything that we didn't get to touch on that you want to uh, go back and talk about? No, honestly, I think, like, my one angry speech (laughs) about the elves pretty much summed up exactly what my strongest thoughts and opinions are on the text. I have a lot of respect for a lot of these characters for making tough decisions, but in the end, I don't think the dwarves are being nearly as hateful and grudgy as the elves are. Yeah. And I get that you live a lot longer as an elf, so maybe (laughs) those relatives were a little closer to you than the dwarves were. I don't know. I don't know how long dwarves live, but I'm just saying. I do 
enjoy the hobbits. I do enjoy the fellowship. I genuinely like, I think, all of the people in the fellowship. I don't know oh, how yeah. you feel They're about that. They're all great. But I um, like all of them. The one that I <laughs> most, not annoying me, but is just Boromir because he's so Boromir. <laughs> I don't even know how. Like in the Council of Elrond, he's like, but maybe we could put the ring on. And everyone's like, no, that's not how it works. And then in the uh, a couple chapters ago, he's like, um, we can go around the mountains this way. And Gandalf is like, did you not listen to me when I was talking in the council about how Sauron has like in it about how Saruman side note why the heck did Tolkien name two of his like evil people or bad people Sauron and then Saruman what the exactly why exactly it's like having Voldemort and Schmoldport. Like, why would you do that? That's just so confusing. It's like how, it's like a, I don't know, a trope or something in books or in TV shows or something, with the exception of Heathers, that, like, there's never a character, there are never, like, two characters with the same name or two characters with similar sounding names because the author is intentionally making them have different names. <laughs> and then we have Saruman and Sauron. Like, whatever. That was the one thing that Tolkien did that did not carry over into the rest of fictional literature. Man, oh man. Anywho. So. With the exception of Heathers. You heard it here. <laughs> Heathers is directly inspired by Lord of by the Rings. By Lord of the Rings. Heather McNamara, Heather Chandler, and Heather Duke. And then Veronica. That's a good movie. Ethan and Tyler. Do Heathers. I know you're never going to do it because you don't like 80s movies, but just do Heathers. It's a good movie. Anywho. Amy, what would you like to share or talk about or plug for our audience? Um, vote. <laughs> vote. That's important. Do you, uh, Where can people find you on the internet if you want them to Nobody find you? Nobody is allowed to find me anywhere on the internet. Oh, my that's right. My students would like to know my Twitter <laughs> oh, handle so and I funny. told them no. That's so funny. My students were like, can, we, can you tell me your Twitter handle? And I was like, no. Oh, all right, cool. Now's the part where I read the credits as I scroll back up through my notes. That's what I'm talking about is a production of Bacon and Eggs. You can learn more about them by going to baconandeggs.media. Also, congratulations on two years of Bacon and Eggs, Ethan and Tyler. That's very awesome. The cover art is Wait, by... Wait, I thought it was three. Well, they're entering year three. They're ending year two. Okay. I'm sorry for interrupting you. How you can go ahead. How I was dare you? <laughs> the cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can also find some dank memes there. I'm just saying. You can find me on Twitter at MCWatt416 and Instagram MCTurnDownForWatt. Side note, I found out last week because I really want to change my Twitter handle because I hate how boring it is. And I found out that the Twitter handle WhatsApp is available with seven U's. I really want to do what's, what's up, but... Tyler and Ethan said no, so <laughs> I know that, like, I don't need their permission to do change my Twitter handle to WhatsApp, but mostly I just think it's funny to do that based on a pop 
It's a pop culture joke from 15 years ago that at the time was a pop culture joke about a different piece of pop culture. Because this is something I didn't know. Amy, I don't know how much you know about the origins of WhatsApp. But I thought it was from the scary, I thought it was from Scary Movie, which is a parody of scary movies. And I thought it was from that. But actually, they were parodying a Super Bowl commercial, I think a Bud Light commercial that was going on, uh, that was popular around that time. And that shook me because I was like, what do you mean it's not from Scary Movie? <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, finally, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review, but only if you're going to be nice. Okay. Amy, any final parting thoughts for our audience? Take all things the elves say with a grain of salt. And respect the dwarves! And that's what I'm talking about. Ba-da-ba-ba. That's how my theme music is.